0: Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Welcome back, amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. So there's a doctor in the house. Yes, 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 yes. So today we have Dr. Erica Montes. She is a specialist at OBGYN. She's known as the Modern Mujer. She started this blog, and we're going to have a little discussion on that. But before we begin, I want to give you a little information about Dr. Montes. So Dr. Erica Montes is a certified board obstetrician and gynecologist and a fellow of the American College of OBGYN. She received her medical degree from the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio. She completed her residency at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center, Parkland Hospital, where she was elected one of three chief residents at the largest program in the nation. Born and raised in Texas, she graduated from the University of Texas at Austin with a BA degree in biology with honors. She is robotically trained on the B- da Vinci robotic surgical system and excels in minimally invasive surgical procedures and in office procedures. She also believes preventative care is one of the most important aspects of medicine, including immunizations, for which she was awarded Arizona Big Shot in 2014 by the Arizona Partnership for Immunization. In addition to her excellent clinical skills, Dr. Montes is fluent in both Spanish and English. She encourages patients to be active in their health care decisions. Outside of work, she enjoys spending time with her husband and sons, traveling and learning something new every day. Her goal is to provide a bilingual online presence for women Just like you to have a place to blossom into a mujer who is more confident in her skin, knows what to expect from her body, and to transform gracefully over her lifetime. Wow, she is by far fabulous. I can't wait for you to hear this amazing conversation. Very educational, amigas. The conversation is not only for older women like myself, (laughs) but also for young women. So we talk about both uh, both um, points of our life as amigas, as mujeres. And I'm sure you're going to love this episode because you know me, I bring it, girls. I do definitely bring it. So without further ado,
1: this is Dr. Montes.
0: Welcome, welcome, Dr. Montes.
1: Aw, thanks, Jackie. That was awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, well, absolutely,
0: my amiga. So- For those of us out there in this world that don't know you, can you uh, let us know like a little bit about you before you became a doctor?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm a Texan, a Tejana, a proud Texan. I'm actually third generation, but we did grow up speaking some Spanish. And I um, grew up in Dallas and El Paso for all my ladies out there who, who are familiar with those cities. Yeah, And basically I was the oldest of three girls. My parents did get a divorce when I was in middle school, but we kind of pulled through. My mom was a single mom and she did, you know, everything that she needed to do to keep us going. And I, you know, just kind of focused on education. I, you know, really didn't have anyone who was pushing me because I didn't know initially what I wanted to go into, but Eventually, I I found my way into the medical field, and I just, and I blossomed there, and and it's been amazing. I can see that. So, (laughs) you're a Texan. So, you went to schools in Texas, right? That's right. Yeah, I did all my schooling
0: in Texas. That's correct. Okay, and including your uh, medical school.
1: Right. I went to medical school in San Antonio. Andale, mira. (laughs) <laughs> in San, San Antonio San Antonio <laughs> Texas amigas yeah. out there so
0: tell us okay so you're no longer in Texas are you
1: that's right so my husband I actually met him in in San Antonio and when he was an intern there and we he's from California I'm from Texas so we were kind of like where are we going to live what are we going to do and so we split the difference and we ended up in Arizona and we've been here now for 9 years Wow. And you have a private practice? That's right. That's correct. So I'm in my private practice is called Cornerstone Women's Care. And we are in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I've been now with them for about, I would say about almost going on six years. And we're everything's going great there.
0: Amazing. Now, Amiga, tell us. Okay, so I was reading that you have this blog modern kid so how did that come about because I mean I can just totally see how busy you are as a doctor and then to have a blog like what hello
1: (laughs) yeah I know that's what everyone says they're like how the heck do you do it all so I guess I just kind of try well first I kind of make every minute count because I usually like if I have some time you know at lunch or or whenever, like if my boys are asleep or resting, I kind of try to get things done during that time. But the modern mohead kind of came about when I was, I had, I was in my postpartum time after having my third son. And I was just up one night. You know how you're tired, you're like just kind of your mind wanders at 2 a.m. And I was like, well, what can I do to, or I I thought I know so much at this point as, you know, a full-time OBGYN, I have three babies. I feel like there's so much that I can share and kind of put myself out there also to inspire other Latinas to go for higher education and the, in general, and of course the medical field. And so with that, the Modern muhead was born and I just kind of thought of a fun name to kind of make a, put a little spin on it like English and Spanish and and that's and I started it I guess October of 2019
0: well I was reading through it and I'm like oh my god this woman is fabulous I need to have her here on my podcast <laughs> all right my lady okay so here you are, you're an OBGYN and I'm a badass at that. And so, of course, as amigas, women out there, mm-hmm. we want to learn more about our bodies. And so I'm curious, like, what have you seen that is like of paramount importance that a woman should do? To protect their bodies, because, you know, I know there's so many illnesses out there that only pertain
1: to a woman's body. So what do you what do you see? So, you know, that's a great question, because I know going to the gynecologist is not the funnest experience in the world. some patients are like, it's worse than going to the dentist. I'm like, (laughs) like, okay, well, hopefully it's not that bad, but you know, it's embarrassing. It's just one of those. It's not, it's not something that's just super easy to, to kind of overcome if you have a fear or if you've had a bad experience in the past. So I totally understand that. I always tell my patients, you know, I really, really want to see you every year as an OBGYN in a way we're kind of like your primary care doctor, because a lot of women don't see just a PCP or a primary care doctor. They kind of use their OBGYN as like their main doctor. So it's important, you know, for you to just take one day a year out of your schedule, busy schedule, and just make an appointment so we can do your full exam. We can keep your screening and preventative tests up to date. I do labs for my patients, just general labs, like checking your thyroid levels, your your liver and kidney functions, your vitamin D, all that's important to keep you healthy and to keep you where you're supposed to be in life. So, you know, if you're not healthy, no one's healthy in your family. So you just really have to keep that in mind.
0: So let's say for a woman that forgets to do the annual and it just continues on, like, for instance, like a five year doesn't come. What have you found? Like, is this like super
1: detrimental to a woman not to do the annual? Yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, we do have different pap screening guidelines because every time a woman thinks that it's an annual, it's they think, oh, that's my pap smear every year. But in reality, just a quick little tip for women to know. So a well woman exam or annual exam is just an exam of their breasts and your pelvis doesn't necessarily include a pap smear, but it depends on your history. But, you know, if we have these preventative measures such as the mammogram, which is an annual recommendation is when you turn 40 and then also the pap smear, which is every three years, depending on your age, but for sure every three years after age 30 then it's just one of those things where if you can prevent it, you want to go ahead and do it. Because I've, I have seen cases of cervical cancer in women who haven't had their pap smears done in even as early as any, like between six and 10 years. And then I have seen early breast cancers in women who are like, oh, I'll just put it off to one more year and then it ends up being, you know, early cancer. And so we just want to, if we can prevent it, why not do it?
0: Oh, exactly. Oh my God. You know, I start to think about certain times that I'm like, I didn't want well, this whole, when COVID happened back in 2020, I, you know, I was supposed to go get my annual and I didn't go. And then the, also the breast, cause I'm 47 years old. So obviously these things are super damn important. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, and then I remember the technician who was like, wait a minute, when was the last time you were here? And she, she was mad. She's super mad at me, but luckily everything came out well but it's super important, right? I mean, because cancer can come up like that.
1: Right, exactly. And that's what I tell patients, you know, cancer doesn't wait for anyone. It it just does what it wants to do. And even if you don't have a family history, you know, environmental factors play a role. So we have, everyone needs to be screened when at the appropriate time. And it, it does depend on your age and your history, but your doctor knows what the right screening timeframe is for you. So that's why you should go every year. So that way it doesn't get fall through the cracks.
0: Absolutely. And so now that we're talking about cancers and whatnot, what do you find
1: to be the most threatening area of concern for a woman? That's a great question. I mean, as far as cancers go, I would definitely say breast cancer because one in 10 women do suffer from breast cancer You know, sometimes we tend to think of it as a, you know, back in the day, I think a lot of us thought of it as like a white woman's disease and that, you know, Latinas really wouldn't be affected. But, you know, what we do see is there is a great disparity between Latinas or women of color, Latinas and black women, because what we do see is that their breast cancer when it is diagnosed is actually at a later stage and they do have a higher mortality rate because of that. And you know, part of it, I think, is cultural, like si me siento bien estoy bien. you know, if I feel fine, everything's okay. I don't have to go get checked. Or you know, it's one of those things where, you know, like again, embarrassment, that kind of thing. you know, your moms maybe didn't grow up talking to you about going to get evaluated or them going every year for their annual checks. So I think breast cancer is definitely prevalent and it is prevalent in our in our community and the latina community and we just we just have to be a little bit better about talking to our friends about it and just kind of giving each other tips and saying hey did you go get your mammogram this year i got mine go get yours and you know just kind of bring more awareness to it absolutely i think education is
0: very important because, I mean, if we made it like a party kind of thing, hey, let's all meet up and do mm-hmm. our exams together. I mean, I feel like that should be like a TikTok. <laughs> there you go. We're going to have to do do, what, uh, do one of that. <laughs> you know, like a party. Let's all get our <laughs> panamograms. I mean, seriously, like, and, and I love your TikToks because some mm-hmm. of the stuff that you do, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Especially the one that I saw that, you know, has to do with like, cysts and fibroids mm-hmm. and I thought oh my god that is very prevalent I know that I had that before okay. I got pregnant before I got pregnant and my doctor my OBG one, was saying like wow and you got pregnant very easily and I'm like oh I did I had no idea because the positioning I guess of something mm-hmm. but you know how common is that because I feel like it's one of those things that happens a lot when we get our periods and we don't pay attention because i know that my periods were so strong and like oh my god they were so debilitating but i had no idea for so
1: long that i had these things in my body so as i mentioned like as far as cancers go breast cancer is is the one that we all need to be looking out for and as far as just general benign conditions I would say fibroids could be the one that is very, very common. Actually, up to 80% of women have fibroids. It is more prevalent in African-American women, but we definitely see it a lot in Latinas, in Asian women, and and of course, Caucasian women and white women. So it's kind of across the board. And there's a lot of factors that play a role into it. A lot of it is genetics. Some patients say, well, all all the women in my family had hysterectomies. And come to find out it probably was due to fibroids, but fibroids are basically a benign tumor of the uterus. They can be different sizes. If you look at my reel, I kind of break it down into like an easy to understand way, like with fruit, like anywhere from a blueberry to even a, a watermelon. And they just kind of, they grow in the muscle layer of the uterus. But they can kind of be on the outside, on the inner wall, on the inside of the cavity, and depending on how big and where and where they're located, that kind of determines what symptoms patients have.
0: Oh my god, yes! Because when you did that TikTok, I said, "Oh, now I get it." <laughs> my, my, well, my OBG way and is a uh, male. Okay, so he does. He's not. I mean. I guess he thinks I'm a doctor too, because he like explains it like, da,
1: da, 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 and I'm like, what the heck? What are you telling yeah, me here? Yeah, no, I just do what I tell when I talk to my patients, I talk to them like if I'm talking to my sister or my cousin, I'm like, okay, lady, let me tell you what what this is and what we're going to do. Because you guys don't understand, you know, that lingo that that we use with each other. You know, so if I'm talking to a colleague versus a patient who just is hearing a new diagnosis for the first time, I'm going to break it down into an easy to understand way. So that way, when you leave the appointment, you're you actually know what you have. That's another thing I really want women to if they've had any procedures done, any kind of diagnoses that their physicians have given them, especially female health issues. Write it down, know exactly what they did. I've had patients come to me and say, Oh, I had a hysterectomy, and then I examine them and I say, No, lady, you have your uterus still. And they're like, What? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't mean to make light, but I beg you, it's
0: true, it's yeah, yeah.
1: All of us, even if we don't know like what the difference between a uterus or a cervix or ovary is. If you have a problem, educate yourself. There's so much information out there nowadays that even if you don't really know what it is, you kind of should have an overall generalization or ask your doctor for your op report, you know, your operative report and read it. Know what we did. Know what you have and what you don't have. It's very important. I think that is super important, Amigas. Ask for the operative
0: report. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. So that that's kind of like a discharge. I don't know. Please educate me. What what does that mean? <laughs> I'm so, a lawyer. I
1: can tell you what what a certain document is. All there about. you go. <laughs> You're like I don't know what that's a whole nother document. So basically, an op note is the report that, for example, whenever I do a surgery on a patient, I have to dictate a note, and I say every you know what their pre-op diagnosis was, what their post-op diagnosis was, what I found what I did, how I did it. And so if patients have that piece of documentation that gives me as their new doctor or their continuing doctor, a lot of information. And then it also, even if you don't understand exactly what they did, you can take that to your new doctor or your doctor. That's going to basically going to take over your care. And then we can explain it to you because we actually see it in front, in front of us and we know what they did.
0: Oh, well, thank you for that. Because I think a lot of us out there are like, (laughs) I'm
1: like, señora, tienes tus ovarios or or no? And she's like, yo no sé. I'm like, do you have your ovaries or not? And she's like, I don't know. But I mean, we need to know these things because it's happened multiple times where a patient, they'll say, I had this done and I go to the operating room with them and I look inside and I'm like, actually, it was x y and z you know and it's not yeah. good for patient care no it's not and i think that it's i find that
0: it's super important to have someone that speaks your language the way you speak it versus right. this technical thing because i mean really the whole point of going to a doctor is to feel good not only good right but then also um that uh, you know get educated about in terms of what what's going on in your exactly. body and if you give them all these technical terms how the heck are they going to know
1: That's right. Ah,
0: Pobrecita,
1: I feel. Oh, my God. Well, uh, imagine like a lady who doesn't speak English, you know, and they're I mean, I know someone's probably hopefully translating for them. But, you know, they're missing so much information on multiple levels, especially if you don't break it down for them in a way that's easy to understand. So that right there, I know that is something that every. Healthcare provider needs to work on, and even just in general, like in your arena, you know. Like if you told me a document, I'd be like, I don't know what you are talking about. So I would have to say, what does that mean? But I mean, it's just a matter of educating yourself and in working on being better communicators.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you know, one of the things that I want to I want to go back on this point that you made. You are a surgeon as well, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, can you tell? us, what is your most common surgery and why?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say, I guess I would say a hysterectomy. So a hysterectomy is when we remove the womb or the uterus. And a lot of women kind of, when I say that word, I don't know if it's just some kind of generalized thinking where as soon as I say that word, they say, but I want to keep my ovaries. And we actually can remove the womb or the uterus where a baby is carried. And that's where the blood comes out of you every month for your period and keep your ovaries. It's very simple, it's very easy. It's just the technique that we use when we do the surgery. So I would say, yeah, I mean, like for example, this month we consider that a major surgery. I have five. So, you know, if you have about five to 10 a month, that's pretty typical, that's pretty common. And it's one of those things where just a lot of women at some point, I try to start with conservative options because to me, that's the best way to go about it. And that way we don't go straight to a major surgery where a patient will say, you know what? I didn't think about this. You know, I didn't give it enough time to think I didn't give myself enough time to think about this procedure and I shouldn't have done it in the end. So I think if we do, conservative measures first and that that's good for everyone but yeah i would say a hysterectomy i do do also a lot of tubal ligations which are sterilizations to not have any more babies that's a pretty fast procedure it's done laparoscopically with two small incisions um where we burn and and cut the tubes and i would say probably those two are the yeah. are, are the main they're like, they're like, I don't want to have any more kids. <laughs> Stop the production of children. Exactly. <laughs> they're like, nope, we got, we got to be done here. I mean, I always tell patients, tell your, you know, your partner to get a vasectomy, but.
0: That's- you know, in the, I think it's a, in the Latino community. It's yes. one of those, like the men are, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad that I can cuss on this thing. but yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: They're like, what? No, no. Uh-uh. No, uh-uh no no yep, madre. no, no yeah they're like I ain't, don't touch me no me tocan ahí abajo. I'm like yeah. no I tell the patients I'm like it's way easier less risky for your partner and I even have before COVID I would have I would have the husbands come in so I could talk to them about it and they're like well what do you do it and I'm like no I don't do that surgery I'm not a male <laughs> doctor but I, um, you know, I know who can do it for you. So I think it's just a, a lot of it is education and like cultural and machismo, you know, machismoism and all that kind of stuff. But I think we just have to if they don't do it, I just feel like, you know, I'm fine with doing the tubo on them because it's at least they're taking their own health into their they're taking their health into their own hands. They're not having to rely on someone else. And so I say, let's just do it. It's fine. And then and everything turns out great for them. They're happy in the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I I completely agree. Now I wanted to talk about just in terms of like a woman, you know, in the younger years and then versus the later years. Like what do you suggest or maybe a tip or two on what you must do in your early years and then what you must do in your later years as a woman?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So one tip for the younger girls is you must use protection. That's very easy. (laughs) <laughs> yes, please. Because I mean, look, HPV or the human papilloma virus is very prevalent. About ninety percent of the population will have it at some point in their lives, and HPV is more a virus that is transmitted through skin-to-skin contact, not necessarily through penetration. But the percentage that you can decrease the transmission is very high with a condom. With condom use. So, you know, and besides that, you know, there's gonorrhea, chlamydia, patients who have that. Yeah, they think it's an easy fix because you take antibiotics, but that could cause you to be infertile for the rest of your life. And you don't want that to happen when you're young and having fun. So please use protection. That's one of the main tips for young So
0: Amigas, amigas, you can still have sex.
1: Just use the protection. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because when you guys are coming in with, you know, your tubes being blocked because you were having too much fun and you didn't get treated fast enough, then that's, that's when you're going to, you regret it, you know, and then HPV2, you're going to have to go through all those procedures where I'll have to do the colposcopy on you, which is that procedure where we look at the cells a little closer under the microscope. And then there's excision procedures that we have to do. And it's just a chronic thing that kind of gets annoying and patients hate it. But I mean, that's the reality of it. I would say pay attention to your body when you're younger. You know, if if you have a big change in, um, you know, in your cycles or you start having changes in in your um, in your in your hair or your face, you know, more facial hair or just little different things that, you know, maybe you don't think are related to the female organs or to your female health but they do, or even just recurrent infections, like recurrent yeast infections. Maybe that means you have diabetes. So there's certain little things that you know are different in your body. And even if you think, oh, well, it's probably fine. It's normal. It's going to be okay. It's those recurrent and new things that we kind of are it's not something so I guess the word would be, it's not something so immediate where we're like, oh my, oh my God, I got to go get checked right now. You know, I'm not in a ton of pain, so I just kind of leave it to the side. But those things that change over time, a gradual change or a kind of recurrence, those are things you need to really check, get checked out.
0: Oh my God. And for the older ladies, I'm
1: like, oh my God, I'm, i fucked up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> She's like I didn't I didn't do all that. Yeah, I mean I think I I don't know, I just kinda came up with those two. I think there's probably other things I could think of for the younger ladies, but definitely those two. For the older ladies, you know, if you start having menopausal symptoms when you do kind of start going through menopause, I think maybe in the Latina community like we may just be like, "Oh, it's normal. Son borchornos, like there it's fine." You know, but come get evaluated and come get help. You don't need to leave, live the rest of your life, you know, with, you know, just hot flashes and a horrible inability to get good sleep and all these changes that happen in your in your body during that menopausal time. Just come get evaluated and get help. It, with the help is there. The treatments are there. You just have to come and ask for it. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then, and that could
1: require taking some hormones, replacement, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's also more natural options that I offer my patients and those help too. So it's just one of those things where, you know, you don't have to be miserable during that time. You just need to go and get help. And then also one other thing for the older ladies is, you know, a lot of women are kind of embarrassed or shy about incontinence or urinary incontinence where they lose you know they lose their urine it's common but that's not normal because there actually are ways that we can help you with that sometimes medicine medication sometimes physical therapy sometimes it does require surgery but you don't have to live like that either so you just have to go go get evaluated talk to your doctor about that
0: Wow, this is all fascinating i'm so happy amigas If you're young, you know what you got to do, wear those condoms, (laughs) get get your man to wear those condoms and amigas, older ones like me, get evaluated, girlfriends. Mm. If you need to get on hormones, you need to get on hormones. We don't need to, we don't need to suffer. We don't need to suffer those hot flashes. Believe me. I know exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. I love this discussion, Dr. So as we're getting towards the end of our conversation, I always ask my guests how if you could provide one or two tips on how an amiga can handle her shit.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love the name of that podcast. You know, I'm actually being pretty good because I'm not really cussing like I usually do. <laughs> Jackie's beating me on the cussing on the cussing side, but oh, all God. my friends from back in the day, they know that I, that I do cuss up a storm when we're having fun. But I guess one thing I would say is, you know, in anything, like in anything in life, I would say one model I use is ask for help. You know, the thing is, is as professional women, we try to do it all. We try to be it all. And I mean, it's just not possible. We need to keep our mental health. You know, we need to keep tabs on on our mental health and make sure that, you know, we're surrounding ourselves with positive and supportive people. And so, you know, I think that that's a way that I kind of get it that I'm able to do a lot because I'm able to always ask for help. And even if you think like it's going to make me me look like I'm weak or I can't do it all. Who cares? Doesn't matter. I mean, you were I mean, that's why people are here for to help us and, you know, to help us handle our shit so we can get things done and do what we want to do in our lives.
0: Yeah. And I think there's like a stigma of asking for help. Mm-hmm. That yeah. we're weak. That exactly. oh, you know, that if it's like you're trading for time, like mm-hmm. it's it's almost like oh, well, you wanted to have a big family, so now you're asking me for help. And it's kind of like
1: what the fuck? <laughs> I know. Exactly. It's like, uh, okay. well, you know, I think I think we just it's just important for us to do that, because if we don't, then that's when everything kind of goes downhill for any woman in any career, even if you're a stay at home mom. I mean, you still need help, especially stay at home moms. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you. I remember when I had my daughter, I was like, I can't, I mean, I didn't, um, we didn't make, we didn't get a discussion here about postpartum depression, but it's very, very mm-hmm. rapid. Right. And I remember thinking like, I love my daughter and I just had her and there is all this, like the hormones were getting the best of me. And I'm like, I cannot be alone with
1: this child. Mm-hmm. I need help. Right. Good. That's very good. That's good. You knew and you asked for it yeah. because that's, that's what happens to the, you know, some of my patients, I mean, they get, you get to the point where you just don't know what to do. And then you do something that you're, that you regret later. And I've seen that. I've actually seen those sad, sad cases with my patients. And, and I think a lot of it ends up being that they just, you know, they put on that happy face, but in reality, that's not the case. And sometimes we, We don't they're fine when we see them. And you can, you know, you can kind of pick up on things, but you know, they maybe they play it off too well or it just they're all actually okay at that point. And then it kind of gets worse as you go from there. So that's like a big disparity too in the postpartum system that we're trying to improve, I think, as physicians. You know, we need to be we need to keep better tabs on these patients and kind of have a better relationship with. professionals that can help us with postpartum depression too absolutely
0: I think it's so important and you know we don't want to hear those stories on the news exactly where the mom went and killed three kids and the kids are like like they're five four two what and it's like well knowing how I went through I'm like wow I know. know
1: so it's horrible
0: it's horrible But thank you so much. Oh, yes, Yeah.
1: Oh, I was just going to say. And then one last thing on how to handle our shit, which I already said it, but I just was going to repeat it is, you know, I think we we definitely need to basically make time for ourselves and take care. Make sure make your health a priority is basically what I always tell my patients, you know as moms or as the, as women in the family, we kind of play the central role. We kind of take on so much, so many responsibilities and we are in charge of everything, you know, from the kids to the house, to our healthcare, to our family's healthcare. And that's just the way it is. We make the healthcare decisions in our families. And so we have to, in order to be able to take care of others, we need to take care of ourselves. So please ladies make it a priority, make your health a priority physically and mentally that's really what it's all about ah I love that I love that
0: ask for help and make your health a priority beautiful Dr. Montes. I really really love everything that you're saying here and I wish I can have you here for another session so perhaps next year we can we can stay yeah and then I don't know I love your TikTok so continue (laughs) thank you honey thank you so much Thank you so much for being here because I know you're a busy woman and go save lives. I love you. Love you. Thank you so much. (laughs) And we'll talk later. Okay. Bye, Miss Jackie. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit Podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player.